The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today I have a wonderfully uh, inspiring story for you, my guest has. Um, Everybody loves a story, and this is a love story, which everyone really loves, and a story of survival. My guest is courageously coming forward with the truth, um, and particularly on the eve of the election, this is particularly pertinent to hear, but it's also, I don't want it, it's not just about, about why you should think twice <laughs> about what some people are telling you in the elections, but it is, it is really um, a story, a love story, and a story of relationships, and a story of what that, uh, how that tells about the true character of a person. The, um, we're going to be talking today about Hillary, the other woman, a political memoir, that was written and just released by my guest, Dolly Kyle. She was his first Billy, that's what she calls, um, then soon to be, or well, not soon, but eventually to be uh, President Bill Clinton. Uh, she was his first and perhaps his most enduring love. So, Dolly, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Carol. It's good to be here, and it's been a long time since I've been on a psychiatrist's couch, so a little tune-up is probably a good idea. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to go easy. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you have been, actually. I don't know if there's much that I could ask you that you haven't already been forthcoming about in your books and interviews, but certainly my listeners... Um, since your book is just out, they are unlikely to have read that, so we will we can um, go from scratch. Um, okay, Dolly. Dolly met Bill or Billy. I'll call. I'm trying to keep remembering to call him Billy. Oh, you call, you call him Bill. Him. That's fine. But you know, I met him as Billy, and it just seems natural to me. Sure. Well, they first met when she was 11, and he was 12, almost 13. And it was love at first sight. So everyone wants to hear about love at first sight. Tell us about that first meeting. Oh, wow. It's what the Italians called the thunderbolt. And it sounds a little dramatic to someone who's not an Italian or doesn't believe in love <laughs> at first sight. But it's one of those things that it, it changes the color of the sky. And it, it's just an... It's such a strong feeling, inexplicable, and it it changes your world. And it was not a one-way uh-huh. thunderbolt, by the way. <laughs> this was a mutual attraction that Billy and I had, and um, we were very young. But there are an awful lot of very young people who met and had this sort of experience. I mean... You know, the world loves the, well, maybe not the Romeo and Juliets and the Titanics and the things that don't end well, but this fits right in there. <laughs> this didn't end uh-huh. very well either. I hate to say <laughs> yes. Or whatever, you know. Here's the thing. I am I'm very happy with my life and my person today, so I can't say I wish something had happened differently because here I am. And it was a long, hard journey, and I made a lot of bad mistakes along the way, 
but I now have something that I can share with other people. And so it's, it's sort of like the mess becomes the message or the test becomes the testimony. And uh, I, I'm very pleased to say that even years ago, I was on the 700 Club, for example, and talked about the issue of sex addiction. And then, oh, I don't know, for years afterward, people called me and talked about that. And not that I'm a trained psychologist or anything, but, you know, in the nature of the 12-step programs where we learn about our own things and then we can share our experience with others, it, it's really quite helpful. But anyway, I, I'm getting, I guess, well, way ahead of that. Let me, well, wait, yes, let me, let me interrupt you for a minute because, actually, it's a good idea what you're saying. I do want to give people, besides having been Bill first and perhaps uh, continued, uh, although you have had lots of bumps along the way, but um, I... <laughs> Dolly is gorgeous, by the way, folks. You can look her up on the internet. I'm sure she was gorgeous when she was 11, and I'm sure she and she's still gorgeous today. So it is not surprising, um, especially after what we know now about um, former President Bill Clinton, um, that he would have fallen head over heels for her. But <laughs> besides being Bill's first and enduring love, um, she also has quite a resume of her own. She was graduated from SMU School of Law. Um, she then practiced real estate law in Texas. She was named a fellow of the Texas Bar Foundation for outstanding contributions to the administration of justice, and that honor is limited to one-third of 1% 1 of Texas lawyers. She was the founder and executive director of Lawyers for Affordable Housing, that provides pro bono legal services for low-income homeowners and for nonprofit housing groups such as Habitat for Humanity. She was also a founding member of the Dallas Affordable Housing Partnership in Dallas City Homes. And now she's the author, well, she has, before this book, she was the author of three uh, sort of novels, loosely, as she says, based on reality, that was, of course, related to her uh, story with um, Bill Clinton. And now she's the author of this book, which I'm sure if it hasn't already become a New York Times bestseller, it will. Hillary, the Other Woman, a Political Memoir. So, okay, there we go, folks. Just so you think that, just in case you think that this was one of, um, well, that you don't give Dolly enough credit for, be, for having a serious life of her own, um, uh, despite, despite the hardships that she suffered um, in regard to Bill Clinton, now you know. Okay. And, uh, thank you, Carol, for, for all that. Um, I also want to say one other thing. People have asked me about, did you really graduate in Billy Clinton's class? And the answer is yes. Uh, it was Hot Springs High School, the class of 1964. And if anyone looks at my picture, as you very generously alluded to, on uh, Oh, Twitter or Facebook now, that picture was taken less than three months ago. And if you look at a, a recent picture of Billy Clinton, you will see that he looks like death. And, yes, we were in the same class. I am two years younger than he is because I skipped two grades as I was going through school. So there's that. Yes, and, you know, just as an aside, before we actually get into your story, I, because you mentioned what he looks like, I will say, I mean, I know you're going to be talking about a lot of things that um, are less than, what, stellar about him. I will say that um, I do feel sorry, you know, on this campaign trail, seeing him on television or uh -huh. seeing pictures of him where he does look like death, um, I do feel a little sorry for him, um, you know, and, and I mean, you've got to give him, well, you'll explain why he's doing it, but he is, um, you know, whether it's quid pro quo or feeling guilt for her, what she's put up with over the years or whatever, he has, um, he has <laughs> done more than he was really capable of, you know, on the campaign trail, and I guess he's going to be continuing to do it to the extent that his health holds out. So I have, I have come to feel a little sorry for him at, at how hard he's working, despite how sick he obviously is. Well, i got a couple of things to say about that, and one sure, is... Go ahead. Uh, of course I do. I have something to say about everything. But <laughs> yes. uh, Billy is addicted to people, and he has 
an insatiable need for approval. So as anyone knows about addicts, um, it's not necessarily commendable that they will do whatever they have to do to get their fix. Mm -hmm. Um, This Mm -hmm. this is part of his addiction to people and his need to be approved. The other thing is that he is somewhat conflicted about Hillary's run for the White House. Now, this was their deal from early on when they met in law school at Yale, and Hillary at that point chose to ride his coattails And then people say, well, how could she have known in law school that he was going to become president? I'll back up and I will say, I knew it in high school, and other kids at Hot Springs High knew it to the point that some of them wrote in his annual things like, see you in the White House someday. Okay, It was just one of those things. Kind of like the thunderbolt, it's hard to explain, but when someone has the it factor and you know what they want, you know they're going to get there. But Uh now... Having worked together, such as it was, for these 45 years, uh, and Billy's already done his time or had his shining moment in the White House, he, on the one hand, would like to get Hillary into the White House because that would be some vindication of him and sort of whitewash his impeachment a little bit more. On the other hand, he's going to have to go back to living in the same state or the same house with her and instead of flying around the country on or around the world on the Lolita Express with cute little underage girls he's going to be relegated <laughs> to flying on Air Force 1 with Hillary so um, yeah we used to call we, that we, you, you know say, I was a psych major back then we called it an approach avoidance conflict there's probably a fancier term now but he's conflicted <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay, well, let's go back to that golf course. What were you doing when you met um, Bill Clinton? What were you doing on the golf course, and what was he doing? Well, we were both playing golf. I was, I was with uh, one of at my friends. You, at, 11 years old, you were pl- at 11 years old, you were playing golf, real golf or miniature golf? No, real golf. Real golf at the okay. Belgian Country Club. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, it happens. I mean, <laughs> no, there were a lot of kids. So, I mean, a bu- bunches of us took uh, golf lessons and, and played golf at the country club. And I was playing huh. golf with one of my friends. And the these boys came up, and my friend knew this one kid, Corky Clinton. And she said, hey, there's Corky Clinton. Okay. So... Everybody's going to get confused by this, but let me just back up and say the Clintons and the Kyles have been friends for decades in Arkansas. You know, we all grew up in the same small town. Okay, so my friend Julie introduced me to Corky Clinton. She said, this is Corky Clinton, Uncle Raymond's son, all right? So that was Raymond Clinton. Well, I had known Raymond Clinton since I was six years old, and I called him Uncle Raymond, too. So I thought, oh, goodness. This Corky Clinton must be my cousin if he's Uncle Raymond's son. I mean, you know, I'm 11, and it's hot. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. yeah, yeah. And so then yeah. Corky says, this is my cousin, Billy Clinton. So uh. that's when I met Billy. And uh, I, I don't remember what we said. It was We sort of went into la-la land and stared at each other, and I don't know exactly. But I was thinking that he was my cousin, and... <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's Arkansas. So, uh, <laughs> Uncle Raymond, Uncle Raymond was a family friend that I, whom I called Uncle Raymond, and Uncle Roy, another brother, worked for my dad. And then there was Bill, uh, Billy's stepfather, Roger Clinton, whom I never called Uncle because I was never close to him. Ironically, really, because the other two I knew well, and then I didn't really know. Billy's father very well, but uh, Uh from the psychological standpoint, of course, the the big influence in Billy's life was very negative. One of the very negative influences was his uh, stepfather, Roger Clinton, who was a raging alcoholic. Uh And um, so, you know, I, I guess I take it for granted if people have been listening to your show for a while, they are pretty savvy about some of this addiction stuff and the mm-hmm. way an addiction will affect a child, and then that child grows up to be the adult child of an alcoholic or whatever. Um, 
but but that was the meeting, and then we became friends over time, and we dated in high school. We did not go steady. Neither one of us went steady with each other or with anyone else, and uh, we we were friends, and and we talked a lot. Um, and I I kind of explored this relationship in greater psychological depth in my first novel, but I did go out of my way to not put this book about Hillary on my website where the novels are because I want to make it very clear that the novels are novels. They are, like most first stories, semi-autobiographical in nature. But as I told Billy once a long time ago, no, the story is not true, but it's psychologically true. Because it was important for me to dig into these things, and I started writing as a therapeutic journal. I mean, that was suggested to me by a counselor. I went into counseling because I had just gotten divorced for the second time, and I said to myself, what is the common denominator in these two divorces? And as try as I might, the only thing I could come up with as the common denominator was Dolly Cox. I mean... There it was, yes. right in my face. And so it's like, okay, the problem must be, and I think very often when people go through divorces or breaking up relationships, they, you know, they give this laundry list of what's wrong with the other person. My particular nature is to look inside and see, well, there may be a lot of things wrong with that person, but why did I pick that person? Why did I stay with that person? Why did I make these choices that I made? Therein lies the problem. Yes, and so you, you started this journal to try to come, try to understand that better, understand yourself better and why that was. And right. as you were writing these journals, you wound, you, you wound up, of course, writing about your first love and how that right. relationship had an impact on you that changed or sent you down the wrong path um, for these subsequent relationships. Well, that's right. And then in the course of that, I examined some of the things that happened, you know, completely out of my control. I was 11 years old when my father died. I was the oldest of five Mm -hmm. children. My mother was not psychologically equipped to handle that, and she went in her bedroom and closed the door and curled up in a fetal position, and I made the funeral arrangements. So that mm. set me on the path of a person who needed to be in control. Well, that doesn't bode well for relationships either. And then mm. when I was a 16-year-old virgin, I was drugged and raped by one of Billy Clinton's friends. And that is another thing that will change the trajectory of someone's life. And it was in retrospect in the therapy that I dug back and realized that some people who have been raped will become frigid and avoid sex at all costs. Others, in an attempt to be in control and never be raped again, become promiscuous, become the aggressor. And that's what I did. And as I studied that and realized that I had become a sex addict, I realized that Billy Clinton was too, and I talked to him about that in all seriousness and went through the 25 questions that were then part of the Sex Addicts Anonymous self-awareness questionnaire, and Billy said to me, oh my God, I am a sex addict. Oh my God, what a pairing, too. Two sex addicts together, two bunnies. <laughs> we need. Yeah, I don't know but you, you know, the here's the thing. I, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard the music uh, in the background, but we need no. to take a break now, and we will come okay. back. We are okay. Leaving this on a cliffhanger, and <laughs> we will come back after the break. My guest is Dolly Kyle. Her new book is called Hillary: The Other Woman, A Political Memoir. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host. Dr. Carol Lieberman.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dolly Kyle. Her new book is called Hillary, the Other Woman, a Political Memoir. And as she has begun telling us, a love story and a story of survival as she is courageously coming forward with the truth about, um, about both Billy, whom she, as she calls him, and Hillary. So we've left. <laughs> we started off on the golf course. And we left in high school, or a little after high school, I guess, after you and, after, um, you and he started talking about how um, you both shared a sex addiction. And then what happened? Oh, no, no. The, well, let's, let's back up. Let's go to high school. We graduated from high school in 1964. I was raped by Billy's friend, drugged and raped on August 1st, 1964. I was oh, going wow. to college at SMU. Billy went... Um, to Georgetown, we maintained um, communication and saw each other, you know, during breaks and things like that. But then Billy said to me, "You need to, you need to just get married and go on with your life, and don't right. wait for me." And uh, I, why do you think he said that? Why did he well, do that? You know, a lot of things happened that came out later, and I'm sorry, but if I say it, it almost sounds weird and egotistical, so I'm not sure I even want to go there, but I... <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, what, what, you, what you think it is. I mean, it's, just, it's your truth. It's whatever you feel. Well, this sounds bizarre, but Billy was scared of me. And uh-huh. I don't know. Doesn't sound that bizarre. Well, I, I thought it did. Um, <laughs> I, I did. And, you know, things like, things that I didn't find out until maybe decades later. Like, I signed up for fourth year Latin in high school. And when I told Billy I was going to be in his fourth year Latin class, he went to the office and dropped it. Huh. And I didn't find out until 20 years later when he was casually telling someone this story at a party and said, yeah, I heard, it. When, she, when she told me she was going to be in fourth year Latin, I, yeah, I went and dropped it. I mean, she's so damn smart, she just scared the hell out of me. Hmm. Hmm. You, I'm, so, whatever, it goes on like that. But the other well, thing is, well, I, I generally... Let, let, me just, let me just interject something here. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when, Billy, when Bill was running for president, or no, when the Monica Lewinsky scandal hit, uh, no. 97, right? My book, my first book was coming out, which was Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them. And so I was on television all the time for like two years, not just talking about the book, but talking about, I mean, there we had a, a prime, um, he gave me a news hook to talk about what kind of bad boy he was. And you referred earlier to children of alcoholics, his stepfather being an alcoholic and being physically abusive to him. Um, obviously, he had, even though he had his, 
his heart set on becoming president and had this charisma and all that, the it factor, he also had low self-esteem from having this abusive um, and alcoholic father. So it is yeah, not I have to bizarre. Say, I, I, I do... No, I do not know that he was physically abused. Uh, his mother was abused like that, and I don't know that that Roger ever actually laid a hand to Billy, although Billy does tell a story about being 14 years old and Roger was getting ready to beat up on Virginia again or something, and Billy supposedly stood up to him and that stopped it. Well, that is a big family, dysfunctional family lie, okay? And I will tell you why I know it's a lie. When Roger Clinton would go on his drunken rampages, and this was through high school and through after high, after high school, Virginia would take Billy and little Roger, his stepbrother who was 10 years younger, to the Holiday Inn on East Grand Avenue, and they would spend the night there while she went to the hospital and worked. So... If mm-hmm. Billy had actually stood up to Roger at 14 and stopped that behavior, I would not have been mm-hmm. going down and visiting him at the Holiday Inn where we sat and talked for hours and hours that, those nights through mm-hmm. high school and into the summer beyond high school. Okay, so that okay. let you know. Okay. The, okay. You know how that I just want to make I, I just want to make a point, and believe me, I did tons of research. I mean, you lived it, but I also did tons of research when I talked about him having been abused. But in any case... Um, my point is that those things would have given him low self-esteem. So when you say that, you know, it's hard, you know, you don't want to be egotistical and all of that um, in saying that he was afraid of you, it, it, is, it is not necessarily egotistical. I mean, obviously, you know that that was true, at least with the Latin class, and you were a gorgeous young woman, and he could well have been concerned that um, you might have found somebody else, and, and he wasn't president yet. He was far from being president, and that you might have found some, somebody else, and his heart would have been broken. So it's not, it's not that bizarre. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's, that, you know, yeah, okay, you're right. I think you're exactly right. I'll take that. <laughs> okay. For sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. Um, but, so anyway, um, so I did, after we had that conversation, I got married to someone else, obviously, um, had three children, continued going to school, um, finished, co- it took me about seven years to get through college with being married and having three kids. But I did finish college, and um, in, ni- in late 1973, um, my first husband and I were getting divorced, and the divorce was final in January of 74, at which time Billy and I started our, what I call, adult relationship. So it was 10 years after high school yeah. before yeah. we had a sexual relationship. Uh-huh. And, and okay. people people find that a little hard to believe. I mean, it wasn't that we didn't want to. We just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was a big, you know, that was that was a source of conflict for both of us. I think as anyone who's ever been very attracted to someone and and has not done what they wanted to do. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't explain all of these things, but that's just the way it was. Anyway, in 1974, um, Billy had completed law school at Yale, and he moved to Arkansas to Fayetteville, which is in the northwest part of the state. I was in Little Rock in the center of the state, and he was teaching in the law school there and running for Congress. Hillary was in Washington trying to make her own career and they, of course, fabricate this fabulous love story about how she was drawn to him in Arkansas. That wasn't until after she flunked the Washington, D.C. bar exam <laughs> and was unable to get a letter of recommendation from her job after the Watergate Commission because she was so unethical and had no integrity. Then she decided to go to Arkansas you know, to be with the great love of her life. Um, they got married in October of 1975, but in the meantime, she was back and forth, and she sent her father and one of her brothers to Arkansas to spy on Billy while he was running for Congress. 
huh. one of the girls he was dating there was Marla Kreider, who was a, an undergraduate at the university, and she volunteered to work in his campaign, and then they soon became having, they were having a love affair. At the same time, Billy and I were, at the same time, God knows how many other, I don't know who else <laughs> is involved. But, mm-hmm. um, interestingly, years and years later, Marla Kreider ended up dating my first husband and becoming friends with one of my daughters, and she knew I'd had this relationship with Billy, and so we talked about that. So that's how I got all this information about Marla in the small world that's Arkansas. She ended up dating my former husband. And uh, Marla died of breast cancer in in November of 2014, never married, a lovely, lovely woman who would have been a fine wife of a governor and a president, but mm-hmm. she was she was a nice person. And you know how when you're dating someone, you write the cute little notes and send funny cards and stuff like that. Well, mm-hmm. Billy uh, Billy had some of those notes and cards from Marla, and Hillary came to Arkansas a couple of times, and she found these notes and she shredded them, and then she started. Uh, calling Marla, threatening phone calls, and calling her in the middle of the night and all that. So that's the first I know of Hillary Scissorhands shredding documents, and so that was 1974. Well, I still hadn't met Hillary until it was May of 74, and Billy, as I said, was running for Congress. It was the night of the Democrat primary, May 28th of 74, and he called me from Fayetteville, and he said... Um, he said, Dolly, I'm coming to Little Rock to do a television show. Could you pick me up at the airport, take me to the TV studio, then take me to Fulbright's headquarters for a little round of pictures and stuff, and then back to the airport? I said, sure. Now, Bill Fulbright was uh, Senator Bill Fulbright, who was not only Billy's mentor politically and academically and every other way, he was also the closest thing to a healthy father figure that Billy ever had. So that night, I went to the airport to pick up Billy, and then here comes the tacky part where people say my description of Hillary that night is worth the price of the book, but I was not intending to be tacky. But this dowdy-looking middle-aged woman got off the plane with Billy, and when they got closer, I I saw she wasn't middle-aged, and then Billy said, Dolly, this is Hillary, Hillary Dolly. And I was so shocked at the appearance of this woman that I immediately concluded it was some kind of a joke, and Billy and I would be laughing about this later, right? I mean, seriously. Seriously, I had never seen a woman who looked like this. And then I realized that she smelled so bad. Her hair was greasy, dirty, lank, stinky. I don't know when she had last showered. I mean... That you know, her feet were filthy, but not too filthy to hide the hair on her toes. I mean, it was just. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had never been to a third world country. I had never been to the East to girls' school where women didn't bathe and wear deodorant. I don't know. I I, I was just shocked. That's all there was to it. I was I was shocked, and people say you know, that I'm tacky for giving that description, but I really was Margaret Mead in the Samoa at that moment. I, I was seeing a strange thing I had never seen before, and I simply described it the way I saw it. So at that point, I smiled and held up my hand, say, pleased to meet you, and she just glared at me. But see, she had the benefit of knowing I really was Dolly Kyle, and I didn't think for a minute that she was really Hillary Rodham. So yes, when you had because because Bill had told you tell us about that because Bill had told you when he was in Yale about Hillary meeting this woman yeah. Hillary so tell us about yeah. that well um, he met her in the spring of seventy one and they'd been you know seeing each other whatever studying together and all that and then he told me and it was it was late summer or early fall of nineteen seventy two. He told me that he was going to be moving in with this woman, a fellow law student named Hillary. And uh, I said, oh, you know, like with that tone, oh, so what's the news? He goes, oh, no, it's no big deal, you know. And he just acted like it was some place he could live for, the, for cheap. And I think everyone knows by now Billy is 
kind of on the cheap and a moocher. So this didn't surprise me at all. So I knew he was living with a woman named Hillary, but I still could not imagine that he could live with anyone who looked and smelled like that. I'm sorry. I just, it, you know, it was outside my realm of limited experience, shall we say. And, and you had also, you also at some point deduced or he told you that um, she was supporting him and it was like his mother had supported the family because of his father, stepfather being an alcoholic. Well, I, I mean, that, was, just that was not exactly a dissertation on his part. That was more my picking up nuggets from conversations and putting it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't a, hey, I am just with her because she's supporting me mm-hmm. and my mother supported the family. Frankly, Billy was never that introspective. I, you know, he, he did not want to stop and look at his family of origin and the psychological and emotional dynamics that were affecting uh-huh. his life. That, that was, and you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of guys don't want to do that. I think it's more women yes, who tend yes. to want, want to yes. explore these things and have the fortitude and the strength and the strength of character to look at themselves in a very deep and painful way. And uh, frankly, I'm sorry, most guys don't want to do that. It hurts. I mean, it's mm-hmm. bad, mm-hmm. you know. And so, anyway, uh, gosh, are we only up to 1974? <laughs> 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 that was still a long time ago. But um, that night when we went to the television station, this, I call her the Hillary impersonator because I really didn't think it was Hillary. She was focused on the election returns coming in and uh, when we were getting ready to leave, she very animatedly was pointing to the returns and saying something to Billy. I don't know. So we got in the car to go from the television station to Fulbright's headquarters. Uh, Billy said, well, we need to just go back to the airport. And I'll shorten the story. I said, why? And he didn't want to go to Fulbright's headquarters. And I, he said, didn't you, didn't you see the election returns? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, well Fulbright's losing. I said, well, I, I know he's losing. I mean, you know, like, so what, right? And he says, mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen with a loser. Yeah. And, of course, I, I couldn't <laughs> help thinking about the baggage he had with him that looked like a loser to me. <laughs> but I was so upset. I said, Bill Fulbright may lose this election, but he will never be a loser. And I took mm-hmm. Billy and Hillary and the three guys who were with them Back to the airport, I never said another word. I dumped him out of my car. I left. I didn't speak to Billy for over two years, and I should have left it there, and that should have been the end of the story. But I didn't read but it. Book. Isn't. <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't isn't. know. I needed to get out <laughs> forever. And we need to take another break, and we'll hear the okay. We'll continue with the rest of the story when we come back. My guest is Darlie Kyle. Oh, Darlie Kyle. Her book is called Hillary, the Other Woman, a Political Memoir. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today um, about Hillary, the other woman, a memoir by Billy's first love, and that's Dolly Kyle. And during the break, I was asking Dolly, and she um, very generously agreed, rather than trying to rush now from 1974 to 2016, um, she will come back next week. And um, we will have part two and perhaps a part three, but we will, um, and I love the way, you know, all these years of therapy um, have enabled her to have such great insight into herself and Billy. And um, so, I, you know, all of this is, is um, great as a love story, great as a story of courage, great as an important story for what you need to know for the election. Um, but it also um, is a psychological <laughs> um, treatise on, you know, and I hope it's helping all of you to understand some things that you may be uh, experiencing in your own life, certainly, in regard to relationships and so on. You know, before we continue with um, what happened at, after, you know, you, you left off with this two-year break, which I, I admire you for because, yes, that was really... Uh, disappointing, you know, that it really said something about his character that he, you know, didn't want to be seen with a loser. Um, and, and even though this man was responsible, really, for so much of what he had attained thus far, he would, on his night of need, um, abandon the senator and, and just not show up. But, so, but let me ask you, up to this point, like you had talked about how Bill had told you... Um, you should get married and have children like you should forget about him or, you know, we talked about that. How did you, we talked about, maybe I talked about why I thought he did that, but how did you feel? Like, was your heart broken? I, I mean, I would imagine he was, you know, he, he wasn't a bad boy. He was a heartbreaker. I would imagine that women who fell for his charms would be, especially because you weren't just, it wasn't just sex. I mean, it was, it was um, you had been friends long before you ever had sex in a more romantic relationship. So, right, and, and this conversation about I should get married and have children and forget about him was before we ever had sex, okay? This, uh-huh. was, this was way back. This was way back when we were still in college. And he, sa- he did say to me, that I was a distraction to him, and mm. and that, well, I, I guess I was a distraction to him, <laughs> um, as were thousands of other women later on. But at any rate, um, I here's the so, thing: when, when he said he wanted to be president, I didn't jump on that so much as, oh wow, that would be great to be the president's wife and blah, blah, blah. I was more interested in the relationship between the two of us and that I wanted to be married to someone I loved and wanted to have children with the person I loved. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I realized at some level that if he could see me as a distraction and that the primary goal was to become president, there, mm. that really wasn't the the right place for me because that's not what I was so focused on doing. And, yeah, I was hurt, and I was also a little bit confused because I thought, well, um, seems like I would probably be a good partner for someone who wanted to be president. You know, so I I was Uh having this intellectual debate with myself. At the same time, I was having the emotional and psychological reaction to it. Because I had always, you know, as I said, when my father died when I was 11, I had to put aside the the feeling that I had at that moment that the floor had opened up beneath me and I was falling into space. And I had to intellectually come out of that and say, I I better take charge here or we're going to have some serious problems. And so, you know, with that background, uh, you know, my, my intellect always overrode the emotional and the psychological and that is 
an okay survival technique for a while, but it does not allow you to become an authentic, full person over time. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that even though you were heartbroken, that you just like, and, and in some ways the, the floor fell out from under you this time too, um, you knew that you had to sort of summon your strength and, and, and kind of get on with it. Exactly. And, uh, you know, for example, and I'll pull this back in, my father died when I was 11. I was, it was 1986, so what's that, 25 years later, before I shed the first tear, and it was in a mm. therapy session. Mm. Well, before I wow. shed the first tear over my father's death. Okay, mm. so I was pretty good at stuffing things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, well, and it's okay. okay. Some of these things are, they're okay defense mechanisms for a short period of time, but then you need to, you need to deal with it. And, and well, I don't need to tell you that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what well, we no, all need you're to do. Yes, you're absolutely right, or else they come out, it comes out in other ways. Um, exactly, and so that's why when I was going through this second divorce, I realized, okay, something's coming out in other ways. Something's something's gone terribly wrong, and um, and I need to deal with it. But okay, so so I didn't talk to Billy for two years, from seventy four to seventy six, and during that period, I married for a second time, and Billy, um, after confirming that I had married, apparently proposed to Hillary yet again according to their story, and then they got married about two months after I did. Um, shortly after that, in, Billy announced that he was going to run for Attorney General of Arkansas, and he sent a letter to, um, actually to my husband at the time, and, and told, you know, said he was running for office, and at the end of it he said, um, please give my love to Dolly and the girls and tell Dolly to call me next time she's in Little Rock. And, of course, mm. we were living in Dallas. And, you know, I thought it sounded, um, I don't know, it, it sounded objective, it sounded okay, it sounded like an old friend who just said, you know, he didn't say I'm sorry and he didn't say, I apologize for what I did, and he didn't say I was a jerk for what I did to Fulbright, not to mention that I finally realized that it was Hillary, and that was a pretty tacky thing to do to both of us, really, Uh the way he introduced us without any warning. Uh, But I, in in a spirit of reconciliation or whatever, did talk to him, called him one of the next times I was in Little Rock, and we re ignited our friendship but not not a sexual relationship right then you know it okay sort of let, let, let me start let over me stop you let me stop you there because that's a great place to start for the next time okay but I also I'm sure everybody's wondering I'm certainly wondering why did he write to your husband <laughs> he was still scared of me he didn't know. See, so, here's the thing. You know how a, a guy sometimes will make a comment in jest, and, and if you pick up on it, you know, it's a pickup line. You can either laugh yes. at it or you can go along with it. So if Billy had written to me and I hadn't responded, he would have been rejected. But if he yes. wrote to my husband and he didn't respond, there was no, uh, it wasn't the same level of emotional rejection there. Right. That's what I thought. But had, he met, I thought. had he met, yes, but had he met your husband? No. <laughs> I mean, didn't your husband think it was weird that he was getting a letter from this man? Who I I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know what he thought. Uh, he you know he had heard about Billy, of course, and um, he just said, "Look, your old boyfriend's running for attorney general," and he showed me the letter, and you know said, "Give my love to Dolly and the girls," which. You know, that sounds very innocent on its face, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, well, it just kind of sounds, if I were your husband, <laughs> I would have thought, huh, he's trying to get in touch with 
my wife. I wonder what he has in mind. Well, I don't know if he thought that through or if he was so busy doing whatever it was that he was doing that he didn't care. <laughs> well, we need to stop here. I want to make sure that we give out to people um, your website, which is dollykyle.com, which is well, www.dollykyle.com. You can't buy yes. the Hillary book. You can't buy the Hillary no. book on my website. Yes, I know, but I wanted to just get, okay. I was that was going to be my next question. So okay. just to look at your website, dollykyle.com, which is www.dollykyle.com, and then to buy the book, where would you like people to go? Well, they can go to WND, like World Net Daily, WND Books. I'm a little annoyed with Amazon, but you can get it there. And, you know, it would be great if everyone would read the book between now and then, and then maybe it, it would make a whole lot more sense to them. The other thing is this. I really do want everyone to get the book and, and read it because the message needs to get out there. And the Kindle version is only $7.99. But, honestly, if someone can't afford $7.99, they can contact me through that website and send me an email and say they can't afford it, and I'll send them the money to get the Kindle. Oh, well. Well, now, there's a, a deal that can't be refused. <laughs> well, I, I do want everyone to get the message. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in this book. And as you say, from a psychological standpoint, not to mention the fact that people need to know about who this other woman is yes. who's running for president. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we're going to be getting to that. And that kind of uh, comes, uh, more of those insights about who she is come um, down, the, down the road. Um, so, yes, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you. Um, you, you you're a really, uh, really delightful guest, and it really is courageous of you to share this story. And, yes, people need to hear it from not just, uh, you know, because we all want to hear a good luck story, but also because um, what people are going to need to know about Hillary, more that they need to know. So thank you very much, Dolly Kyle. And, again, the book is called Hillary, the Other Woman, a Political Memoir. And her website is dollykyle.com. So thank you, and thank you all for listening. And Dolly's going to be back next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. (laughs) I don't know about stay tuned. Don't hang on to your... uh, Don't be connected (laughs) all this week. But you know what I mean. Come back next week, 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 